is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead, number 463, recorded on Tuesday, November the 19th, 2019. Welcome. Holy shit, it's the 19th already? It is. What does that mean? Nothing. Just the uh, lifetime is screaming by, is all. Yeah, lifetime, the month, the days, the weeks, everything is just flying by at the speed of light. Yeah, sorry, I stepped on your intro there. Go ahead. No problem. I was going to say, welcome to the program once again, everybody, and welcome to the program, Jason. Thank you, Chris. Life is flying by. It sure is. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. <laughs> <laughs> Before you know it, I'm going to turn 45. That's like two months away. I'll be old, you know, and uh, just, I don't know what I'm going to do. Probably celebrate my birthday like any other day. Uh, good. I remember 45. That was fun. <laughs> I'm sure it was. All right. Well, um, that's uh, that's all I've got for for the intro here. So <laughs> we are going to talk about the second last episode of The Walking Dead before the mid-season break. Speaking of flying by, I can't believe next week in, you know, just less than a week from now is the mid-season finale already. That's pretty crazy. It's nuts, man. It is nuts. But, you know, when something's good, it just seems to go by quicker. That's what they yeah. say, right? Yeah. Uh, it is what they say. Yeah, apparently. Okay, well, this is Season 10, Episode 7 of The Walking Dead. Open your peepers. Or your eyes. Open your eyes. Just open your eyes. Just open your eyes. Just open your eyes. Thank you very much, Lee in St. Catharines and Daniel in Worcester, England. I don't know if Daniel was actually doing sort of a... a a parody of a song there, or he was just trying different lyrical interpretations of, of the title or not. I couldn't make it out. Either way, it was great. Yeah. Thank you for the title reads, everybody. Okay, let's dive right in. So this episode, the cold open, begins with flashes of Alpha in the barn. We hear the words, open your eyes, and Sadiq does. Ah, nice. He's following instructions. Yeah, roll credits. <laughs> they said the name of the title we're done <laughs> that's it good night everyone <laughs> he is in a room with cheryl and cheryl is shivering and looks to be in really bad shape she seems to be suffering quite a bit or with a high fever at least yeah not so good so he gives her some water which should you know make her feel a little bit better or moonshine depending i mean that big jar could have been moonshine i suppose it could have been you know when you're on your deathbed the, i guess what you want is some good screech or some moonshine yeah yeah i don't think i would want that i mean some people might yeah and if there's I one heard... thing i know about cheryl <laughs> <laughs> she likes the moonshine i suppose well he gives her some water and then he goes to see rosita briefly and then heads to some kind of water supply station to refill the big jug of water Handy. Yeah, very handy. We we get another we get a shot of another patient puking. He gives him some water, and then we pan around the room, see more patients. Many of them are holding glasses of water or have it nearby. So they're clearly trying to treat this stomach problem with water. Yeah, well that's what you would do. Or moonshine. Oh. I mean maybe that whole still thing is uh is a moonshine apparatus. 
it for, could be uh, making the shine. But yeah, they're really, you know, sick people water, sick people water, water, sick people water, 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 sick people water. Yeah, but I mean, you want to stay hydrated. If you're throwing up, you do need to take in some liquid so you don't dehydrate yourself. So oh, it does, yeah. does make some sense. Yeah, or, you know, popsicles if you have them, but water if you don't. Exactly. Now, as um, uh, Sadiq is scanning around the room, he his eyes pass the door, and outside the window there is Alpha in her uh-huh. her um, disguise that she wore last season when she was in Alexandria. Yep, showing up in the corner of your eyes. That's right, but when he looks back, she's gone, of course, mm-hmm. so he's hallucinating his mortal enemy there. Um now it's night, he's he's writing down some notes, and he dozes off for a minute on the couch, and then kind of has this nightmare where arms extend out from the couch behind him, gripping his chest and covering his mouth. Yeah. That, does that ever happen to you? Uh, not that particular nightmare, though, but when I was a kid, I did have a recurring nightmare that was always the same. Oh. Well, you have to tell me about it sometime. I can tell you right now, quickly. I was being chased by witches, and oh. I was up north in the forest and up north where well at that cottage my family used to own you've been there yeah okay and it's not up north well it's north of where we are right now it is north so yeah but it's not up north anyway i consider that up north whatever and uh they the witches would chase me through the forest and then up this hill in the forest up to the sort of like peak lookout area and then chase me off the edge and i'd plummet off the edge of the hill Oh, wow. Was that right where we saw the vultures? It's pretty much right where we saw the vultures, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so that was my recurring nightmare as a child. Um, oh, sorry, not awesome. Horrible, Chris. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. I always woke up after I went off the cliff, or sometimes just before. I don't know what the difference in meaning is, but that was that was uh, when I was a kid. I haven't had that in a long time, but I'll never forget it. Uh, the other night, though, I had a dream where I was on um, an airplane, and the airplane... Uh, skidded off the runway. Oh, yeah. On landing. Yeah. I thought that was... The weird thing is in the dream, I wasn't afraid. I was like, oh, look, we're going to skid off the runway. Huh. And then we crashed into a fence and the plane just stopped and everybody got off. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully that's exactly what would happen. I That is exactly, I hope, what would happen if that ever... If I'm ever involved in a situation like that. But anyways, yeah, um, yeah that was kind of weird. But uh, enough about my dreams. Uh, after the opening credits, we are in Alexandria. Daryl, he comes and removes Lydia from the cell that she decided to move into, right? Get out of there. Get get out. And they throw in the captive whisperer that they've brought back uh, from their little mission across the border. Yeah, blindfolded. Still. Well, yes, of course. Because he can't take, anywhere, can't take anybody anywhere not blindfolded. It just doesn't work. Yeah, that's how I transport people. Of course. Jasper, come on. We got to go. Get your blindfold on. It's time for daycare. Let's get your blindfold on. Because I don't know how I'm to know how to get home, right? (laughs) And that's horrible. (laughs) No, I've been, I'm I'm kidding. I've been specifically teaching him where we live, what city, what street, uh, and slowly the the house number. So uh, he can point out the house. So Mm -hmm. if he gets lost, he can find, he can tell somebody where he lives. Yeah. Important. Right? It is very important. So right. I, I wouldn't do that. I might blindfold him for fun, but he wouldn't stand for that very long, I'm sure. Yeah, even that sounds a little sketchy. Anyways, uh, outside, Carol asks Lydia if she knows the captive, and she says that she does. 
he's one of the one who watches the guardians and he's you know very faithful to alpha uh father gabe storms up he's very upset that they brought him back and says the council won't like this you know typical father gabe yep buzzkill uh carol takes lydia to her house she can move in there she kind of sarcastically thanks daryl who comes with them for having her back with Gabe because Daryl didn't really stand up for her, you know, a scene ago. Yeah, like Carol's uh, needs saving. She doesn't need saving. She can, you know, do her own shit. She doesn't need Daryl to step in and have her back. She can she can take care of herself. Well, it's an interesting point because she definitely can and she certainly doesn't need him. But my reading of this scene was like, thanks, jerk, for standing up for me. It was kind of like, why didn't you agree with me? Why didn't you say something? Yeah, but I think maybe she was half kidding as well. Okay, well, maybe they do potentially have that kind of relationship, although it's a rather serious matter, so you you think she would probably have some clear feelings about it. Yeah, maybe. And anyways, Daryl goes downstairs, presumably to where he lives. Well, yeah, I was thinking this is the first time we've seen an actual place where Daryl lives. Other than, like, the forest, right? Oh, yeah, there was that ratty tent that was on a raft. Yeah. And the the foot in the fire thing. Yeah. So that's true. We've never really seen the personal space of Daryl Dixon. You know, he's been in, as you said, tents in the forest. He's been in uh, captive in jail cells, things like that. Uh-huh. Um, but this is an actual living space for him. So he goes down there and he's got this sweet workbench where he looks like he makes arrows and some other stuff. Fly. Yeah. There's, uh, there's, Lures, so fishing, there's fishing rods on a rack, and mm -hmm. it looks like he's doing, uh, making lures and things, as well as uh, some fletching to uh, to make bolts and arrows and stuff. Yeah, like, it, I mean, it, it looks like a pretty cool little space for making stuff. Um, so I guess he wants to get comfortable, so he takes off his shirt, <laughs> and... Norman Reedus with no shirt on. Oh, I baby. I think that's probably a very... Uh, favorited moment in the in it, the walking dead it might be it might be uh although he is covered in scars like loads of scars that just look like knife wounds all over him yeah you know he's seen some shit i would say <laughs> i would think so um he calls dog he has a nice little cuddle with dog on the couch and uh it was a nice scene i enjoy scenes with daryl and dog yeah they're buddies they're very cuddly yeah uh, John, in the South End in England, says when Daryl gets home, he has to whistle for dog. Any dog owner will tell you that a dog can sense when its owner is within half a mile of the house. Just too unrealistic, in my opinion. Well, it depends on how well the dog is trained, right? I know that there's some dog training ideas out there that you should never overly excite your dog when you're leaving or when you first get back because then they'll get overexcited when that happens. So you should, uh, I'm not sure, I've never trained a dog, but uh, I read or saw on the internet, or I'm not sure where, this might have been pre-internet. Anyway, when you get home, you should not get overly excited. Just kind of walk in and be blasé about the whole thing, and then uh, greet your dog afterwards so that they don't get super excited as soon as they see you uh, down the driveway or around the corner or whatever. Well, what's the rationale for not wanting your dog to be super excited? I mean, I kind of, I kind of enjoy well, an excited dog now and then. 
Yeah, but there's also when the dog gets a little bit older, maybe the and the dog's excited, you start having to deal with pee issues on the carpet and mm. uh, on the floor and stuff. So I'm not really sure. Maybe it's not good for the dog to get overly excited during those moments. Maybe uh, a little bit more rational or calm when you come <laughs> home or when you leave is uh, is better. I'm not sure. You want an even tempered dog, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I I I. Uh, I gathered that information somewhere in the past that you shouldn't do that, but I've never actually owned a dog myself. Ah. My family's owned a dog when I was a kid. I've never owned a dog, so what the hell do I know? Well, by your family, you mean like you and your parents? Like you had a dog in the house you lived in? Yeah, it was uh, Farrah Fawcett Miles instead of Farrah Fawcett Majors because she was married to Lee Majors at the time, Farrah Fawcett. (laughs) That's amazing. The dog's name was Farrah, and we named her Farrah Fawcett Miles. I like that. Uh, (laughs) So you had a dog, so you were a kid, but still, that that counts. And then we moved when, here's a funny story about uh, Farrah. When we moved from Sault Ste. Marie to Alberta, we couldn't take the dog with us. So according to my parents, they gave her away to a nice family who lived on a farm. Of course they did. Yeah, so... Uh, I just, I bought it, hook, line, and sinker. And then years later, I'm thinking, they totally killed that dog, didn't they? So I went to my mom and I asked her, you know, flat out, did you kill Farrah or did you give actually give her to somebody? And she said, no, we gave her to a nice people that we met that we gave her, we gave her to them and they lived on a farm. And then just recently, like maybe six months ago, I asked again, tell me the truth. What happened to Farah? She said, no, we gave him to this this family. And she explained, I don't remember the story, but she explained how they met the family and how they agreed to give her the dog or give them the dog. And apparently uh, she lived out her life on a, her old age on a farm. That's a wonderful story. It is. It sounds like total bullshit, but, you know, I've, I've followed up on it a couple of times in my adulthood. And uh, apparently the story is true. Well, that's good. I, I hope it is. I would, your mom wouldn't lie to you. Come on. Not now. I mean... When I was a kid at the time, yeah, absolutely. Because that's what you do, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, I've asked a number of times as an adult, you know, be square with me. What happened to the dog? Well. And she's telling the truth, and I believe her. Good. Well, that's that's very nice. I've never owned a dog, never, ever in my life. Uh, Had cats growing up and things like that, and now now I've occasionally dog sat, yeah, uh, occasional dog, but never owned my own. Anyways, let's get back to the episode. We go up to the roof of the house and Carol is talking to Lydia. She gives her her nunchuck stick back, which is nice. Yeah. And Lydia says that this whisperer they have won't betray Alpha. Um, You know, she says she hates them, but she knows them and people are going to die if they continue with this hostage situation. Uh, Lydia says that she wishes she had left with Henry. And Carol agrees, which I thought was interesting. I think she's just agreeing that, yeah, if you'd left, maybe he'd still be alive. He wouldn't be here, but he'd be alive. Maybe Carol was saying that maybe she should have left with Henry too, though. Well, I think that's part of it. Yeah, because, I mean, Carol was the one or one of the people saying, you know, just go. Just leave this place and and stop bringing trouble to us, right? So I think there's both sides of it there for sure. It kind of, like, the words themselves sound like an accusation. Yeah, I I should have left it Henry with Henry. Yes, you should have. Like, just on the paper, on the page, that sounds like an accusation. Yes, you should have left with Henry, because he would have, he might have survived, he would have gotten away, all that kind of thing. But the delivery from Carol did not sound like an accusation. No. 
Well, that's so, the nuance to Melissa McBride's acting. Come on, man. Yeah, absolutely. So it actually confuses me because the words are accusatory, but the delivery was not. So I'm not entirely sure what Carol means in that case. Well, I'm going to say that she was going for both. Like she was saying, you should have left because it might have saved Henry's life. And you should have left because it might have saved all of our lives, right? If you separate yourselves yeah. from this group. So, I mean, that's pretty amazing that she could, should, she could convey both of those things in one line delivery. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, it is pretty incredible. Uh, the conversation continues. And finally, Lydia thinks that maybe if they show this prisoner what kind of life they have here, maybe that idea will get in his head and it'll start to spread. She says it's a powerful idea. Yeah. I mean, that it's also implies, though, that they have to at some point let him go to go back to the Whisperers and spread that idea, does it not? It it does. And it's very, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's very Star Trekian. Uh, so you don't, you never watch Star Trek, but you're familiar with the Borg. I'm familiar with the word Borg. Okay. So it's a cyborg race of, uh, uh, not aliens, but big square anyway, ship, big square thing. Big, yeah. Big cube. Okay. Like their, their ships are cubes. So the Borg, they're the big, bad aliens, uh, bad main, bad guys in, uh, in Star Trek or the next generation and Voyager specifically. But there was one incident, incident where, uh, they captured a Borg drone. They call it a drone. Okay. And his name was Hugh. And, uh, or they, he eventually became an individual, like the Borg are all a collective consciousness. Yep. Right. They don't have individuals, uh, but Hugh became an individual and took on an actual name. And then they let him go back to the Borg collective to see if that idea would spread. And it kind of did. I don't want to spoil anything. For sure. The 80s, the 80s <laughs> no. early 90s, but it actually might, uh, the new show that's coming up, Picard. New uh, Star Trek show. Are you yep. familiar with it? I've heard are of you, it are, as well. Are you are you going to catch up on uh, Star Trek so that you can watch Picard and all its glory? I mean, I and was understand what the fuck is going on. I was thinking of starting at the beginning with Star Trek and just watching everything just to make sure I knew exactly what was going on when Picard started. I figured I need to, right? You do, mm-hmm. but uh, I'll tell you what. I'll give you a synopsis of the first two years of Star Trek: The Next Generation, and just start at season three. Because if you start at season one, you're going to pull the plug within like fifteen, twenty minutes. I guarantee it. Like it's bad. It's not good. It's, it's not good. And the second season is even worse. Why did anyone keep watching it and stick with it then? Because it was Star Trek. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> and then it picked up steam, and then it got really, really good. And, uh, yeah, so it's a good show, but you really have to slog through And, you know, I might be, uh, you know, enraging the internet here, but I really had to fight to enjoy the first two seasons of Star Trek, the next generation. Anyway, this idea of, uh, infecting someone with an idea and then releasing them back into where they came from in order to spread that idea, uh, is not new. No, no, I wouldn't think so. And, you know, I, that, the, the idea or the concept of them doing this isn't really said explicitly on The Walking Dead here. It's just Lydia saying that this is a, this is a potentially powerful thing you have going here. So I think the implication is they would have to turn him to their side and then release him back and, um, basically put a, put a plant into the Whisperer community to take them down from the inside. Yeah, it's a great idea. The execution of it is tricky. Quite it, well, it is tricky, 
but it ultimately doesn't work, but we'll come to that. All right. Uh, we go to Sadiq and Dante. They come to treat the prisoner. Um, he looks at Sadiq, the prisoner does, and, well, I think he looks at Sadiq anyways, and he says, I know you. And immediately Father Gabe sends Sadiq outside and says, Dante can take it from here. So Sadiq leaves, and when he's outside, he sees the spikes on the fence and is obviously upset, and he flashes back to the barn where Alpha is beheading people, and he's kind of equating those spikes to the spikes that they put the severed heads on last season. Yeah, and they keep flashing to this spider in a web. They do, yeah. The spider is shown multiple times in the episode. Yeah, is Sadiq the spider caught in the web? Oh, yeah, you're probably right. I thought it was just kind of mood setting, you know? They're in a they're in a dirty spider web type old place that hasn't been disturbed in a long time, but I like Sadiq's being caught in a web better, yeah. Yeah, except the spiders don't get caught in a web. They're, it's their web, right? Oh, yes. What, and so... Uh, now that I think about it, the spiders are supposed to be there, and they're the one weaving the web to catch other things. Sure, but maybe so, the maybe the web is what's important, and the spider is there just to reinforce that it is a web. It's not just well. It a, looks like a really crappy web. Ah, to be to bad, be frank, bad spider. It's a and a dead spider. So I'm not <laughs> sure what's going on here. There's all kinds of symbolism. Uh, it could, yeah. I'm not sure. It's a really really crappy web. If well, this spider is, uh, uh, you know, if it made this web. It's probably high. Oh, yeah. It's it's new. It's its first day. It needs to practice its web-making abilities a little bit. Um, this scene, though, where Sadiq, they come in together and Sadiq gets sent out by Father Gabe. Gabe, the whole thing felt really odd to me. And obviously, I didn't know what was coming up in the rest of this episode yet when I watched it. But I didn't quite, at this moment, understand why Father Gabe immediately told Sadiq to leave. Because... I feel like they were in there for 10 seconds and the guy says one thing and Gabe is, or uh, father uh, Sadiq is sent away. And yeah. I didn't think he was displaying enough stress in the 10 seconds that he was in there to warrant Gabe's like banishing him of him outside. So I didn't, I, I didn't quite I get disagree. what was going on there. So, uh, you know, as soon as this captured guy says, I know you, uh, you know, I clued in to the fact that he was probably uh, with Sadiq in the barn. Uh, maybe Father Gabe clued in as well. If if this guy says, I know you, uh, and he can see what's going on with, uh, with Sadiq. I mean, Father Gabe's not an idiot. He may be blind in one eye, but the other eye works probably pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so maybe he, uh, he clued in and he's just like, you know what? Get out of here. He... he Sadiq's on edge. He's tired. He's been trying to treat the colony for some time. Uh, you know, he, he knows that uh, this situation might get overwhelming real fast and is dangerous because this guy is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I thought it was it was warranted. I don't know if Gabe knew what was going on with Sadiq, but at this time, if I assumed he did, this made sense. Sure, but that's that raises that question for me. It's never really been clear to me how much the rest of the community does understand what's going on with Sadiq, right? Do, do they know um, how badly he's suffering right now? And if they do, then yes, it does kind of make sense that Father Gabe would immediately send him out because he's like, well, he had that traumatic experience 
And now we've suddenly brought him in the presence of one of the people that inflicted that experience on him. So that doesn't make sense. Like, why is he even here to begin with? Get him out of here. But it's not, Uh, it's not clear to me how much the rest of the group knows what happened to Sadiq. And I, I think that is possibly a failing in my viewing of the show for not picking up on it or potentially a shortcoming of the show for not being able to portray that to us sufficiently. It could be. I mean, it could also just assume that Father Gabe knows something's going on. If you, for example, were kidnapped by someone with 10 other people and the 10 other, the nine, the 10 other people were beheaded in front of you or near you and you were sent back to, uh, to give information, uh, you know, a year later, you, I'm with you and you encounter someone that I know is with the group that beheaded those 10 people and they say, I know you. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know what? This might be a situation where Chris could freak the fuck out and I should probably get him the hell out of here. Yeah, that's fair. But I'm, I don't I, even. I may not know how much, uh, you know, uh, how much of an issue you're having at the moment, but I know this is probably a volatile situation for you. Sure. So is that enough to just say, you know what, Chris, uh, we've got you and this other guy who can do, uh, you know, can do the development for uh, this, this crazy person that beheaded your 10 friends. Uh, you know, that other guy could probably do the development uh, on his own and you don't have to do it. <laughs> Are you referring to what I do for a living? Yeah, I'm trying to. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm yeah. not entirely sure what you do for a living, but I, I assume that it's developing something. Sure. It's, it's similar to what you do, but totally different. <laughs> yeah, I haven't touched a uh, a programming language in years. Well, there you so. go. Um anyways, I the, the other thing is I see I'm not even sure if if they if the rest of the group knows that Sadiq was in there, like was if they know he was taken and released. So oh, okay. You know, I I'm just I'm just unclear on it all together, but I think you're right. I think we have to assume that that's basically the scenario. Father Gabe at least know has some understanding of what happened to Sadiq, and he realizes in that moment this is not a good position to put him in, so screw it. Let's not screw around. Let's get him out of here. Yeah. That does that does make me feel better. It helps explain it. So anyways, we have a commercial break, and when we come back, we are with Aaron, and he is standing at the border with Gamma. And she comments on the amount of bread he eats because he pulls some out of his bag. They talk about making bread and how much they make. And then she notices a drawing in his bag that Gracie, baby Gracie, did. So they talk about having children. And she mentions that she's an only child. Um, And the whole scene, she seems really curious about their way of life and Aaron's way of life and what they've got going on. Uh, Yeah. I mean, they're... They're both standing on different sides of the border, so why are they there? They're probably both pumping each other for information. Well, that's well, exactly we learn, we, that's exactly what's going on. But if I was there, you know, chatting with the enemy uh, on the border, I'd probably have my uh, my guard up as to what I say. Um, a hundred percent, yeah, and and they do too, right? I mean, it's pretty casual small talk, which we'll find out more about in the uh, coming scenes of the episode. Uh, But first we go to Carol. She brings some food into the prisoner. I don't believe they have food. It was a tray, which I assume we're supposed to, uh, we're supposed to assume that it's torture implements. It's the big reveal and all this, it's bread and jam and 
shit. Yeah, it's we are absolutely supposed to infer that because of the way the soundtrack goes. The music builds yeah. up until she takes the takes the cover off the food. Uh, but it is food, and you know Daryl and Gabe are looking on. the The guy seems intrigued and grateful about the food, and she you know feeds it to him, and she's being all friendly and stuff like that because they're trying to play nice with him. They're maybe going to go for this whole concept that if they introduce him to their nice way of life, that idea will get stuck in his head. Yeah. But, Except that they're doing it all wrong. Well, fair. But, I mean, they, they don't know what they're doing, I guess. Well, they're trying to... It was obvious what they were trying to do, even to this whisperer dude, mm-hmm. exactly what they're trying to do. They're trying to entice him with, uh, you know, the land of... Uh, what's the actual term? I'm thinking. I'm thinking of a uh, Dead Kennedys album, "The Land of Rape and Honey," but I don't think that's quite right. Anyway, uh, so they're trying to entice him with this horn of plenty stuff, so jam and uh, bread and things, and they're she's you know putting it all together. I'm going to make you a sandwich, and I'm going to give it to you, and you're going to eat it, and you're going to love it, and you're going to come to our side and know that uh, this is a, a bountiful place that you could call home, and you should tell all your friends, and obviously. What he does is he spits it back in her face, literally yes. and figuratively, uh, because it was so obvious. What she should have done was show him the food and then leave. Mm-hmm. Let him stew on what's going on. Don't try and tell him, you know, show, don't tell. So just leave the food here. We brought you some food. We have plenty. If you need anything, let us know. Get the fuck out of there. Yeah, that like, makes what a lot else of sense. Do you need, what else do you need to do? Like, it's going to the, the it's gonna speak for itself. You don't have to talk him through it. True, true. Yeah, just all you have to do is show him the things and he'll get the idea. That's a good point. Yeah. Let him look out the window, right? <laughs> right? To see what's going on, to see a windmill and the water pumping and the horses and the people laughing and the farming and the bread making and all that kind of stuff. Let him... Uh, let him see that stuff and give him food and you know feed it to him. Uh, give him plenty of food over the next twenty four hours, and then later, then you can say, uh, once he's eaten the food and he realizes that you know he's been hungry for a long time, or maybe not. I don't know. They have ro- they have these pig roasts that mm-hmm. seem like a delicious thing, uh, you know. So, I, I think that this is a good idea to show him what their society is like, but I think that uh, they're shoving it down his throat uh, a little too much. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> well, the pun was intended, but yeah, fair. not necessary. <laughs> All right. Well, no, that's a really good point. I hadn't, hadn't thought of it that way. You don't need to make as big a deal out of it. You just have to go, a, go about living your life and he'll catch on is the idea. That's exactly right. Yeah. All right. Well, um, he spits it in her face, so it obviously didn't work. Uh, we go to Sadiq, he's visiting Rosita, and they joke about Sadiq kind of making a move on her. Uh, and she says, don't let Gabe stop him. You know, he doesn't have a jealous bone in his body. So he sits down with her on the bed. They start talking about Eugene, and they have a good laugh about Rosita's other, other man. So I think it's funny that they're kind of making light of this whole situation here of her having a baby with with one guy and being in a relationship with another guy and having a third guy who's in love with her. So I think yeah, it funny scene. It, it is funny, but it's the zombie apocalypse, right? Uh, traditional uh, relationship norms can go to hell. 
Of course. In fact, in real life, they can, if, if, if that's your thing, but especially in the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. As long as everybody's a consenting adult, it's do, fine. Do whatever you want. I think it was funny, though. It was, it was, it was. cute, too, you know? Yeah. Um, let's see. Sadiq says that Eugene will bounce back, and, you know, he's a tough guy. Not everybody does. And he's very bouncy. Very bouncy. <laughs> that's right. Uh, and then they marvel about having a kid together and how freaky it is. And it seems like they might kiss Jason, but just before she starts coughing. So he gives her some water. Yep. Drink this so that's water. that's the cause of and solution to all of our problems. It really does feel like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, if she had not started coughing, do you think they would have smooched? No. Okay. She's sick. Who wants to smooch with a sick person? Well, that's the other thing. Yeah. That's, it would be a bad idea. You don't want your doctor to get sick too. Yeah. One of I your... assume that they're in their 30s, right? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. So if you're in your 20s, then yeah, they'd probably smooch. Yeah, of course. Yeah, but once you're in your 30s. in their 20s have different mindsets to uh, illness. 100%. In yeah. your 30s, you're, you're much smarter. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're like, whoa, maybe I should think about that. Yeah, yeah, whoa. All right, well, we go to Carol, and she's asking the prisoner where the horde is, being decidedly less friendly now. And... He won't answer, so she pokes her finger into his wound, which I'm sure doesn't feel very good. Uh, then he says something especially rude to her, which I'm not going to repeat here, but that guy wasn't very nice, um, kind of a dick. And so Carol puts on a ring or something and starts just beating him in the face. Yep, she puts on her wedding ring. Which I guess just makes the beating even worse. It does, but uh, it's it's interesting because she doesn't put it on her left hand. She puts it on her right hand so she can hit him. But she's got her wedding ring in her pocket. Right. Okay. And she carries it around with her. Yeah, that's okay. That That's significant. I that's guess. That's not a little thing. That's not just a throwaway thing. It's, uh, she might not be in a relationship with Ezekiel at the moment, but she carries it around the wedding ring. I mean, it may have become more of a weapon than a symbol of their relationship, but... It's really, it's a really crappy weapon. I guess. But it seems to do a number on this dude because he's bleeding profusely after a All few right. punches. A round ring like that? No, what you need is a Super Bowl ring. That would really do a number on somebody or like a class ring or something. I feel like that might hurt your hand as much as it hurts whoever you're punching. But well, yeah, I see your point. It would, and that's why brass knuckles have that thing where uh, it, you know, cushions your hand so you don't hurt your hand as much right. as it does hurt the other person. And she's got that knife with brass knuckles on it, right? The spikes on it? Well, she did for a long time. I haven't seen it in a while, though. Have we? Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen it in a while. I wonder where no. that went. That was a signature item. I mean, it's been years, so maybe it's gone, but it was. It was her thing for a while. Maybe the prop department lost it. Oh. Maybe somebody stole it. Or maybe uh, Melissa McBride took it home and was like, I don't know where it went. Yeah. It's, and it's it's mounted in a display case on her wall. It's just gone. It's just gone. I don't know where it went. Well, Daryl stops her from punching the guy, but then he steps up, draws his knife, and he threatens the dude. He says he's going to take his fingers, his ears, and his teeth. So he's not actually doing anything, but he's threatening him. Yeah. Um, the prisoner starts saying, you know, he would never betray Alpha, yada, yada, yada. Daryl holds his knife up to his fingers against the wall like he's going to cut them off if he doesn't start talking. And the prisoner mentions that Alpha, Alpha sacrificed her daughter. 
And everybody in the room suddenly realize that, realizes that Alpha has lied to all of her people about killing Lydia. And I guess they can use this information against this guy or all the Whisperers in general. Yep. Right? So big information reveal there to uh, Daryl, Carol, and I think Father Gabe's in the room too. Yeah. No, that's, that's, uh, that's a big deal. Now they have uh, now they have a, a super secret weapon. The secret weapon before was look at all the stuff we have. Yeah. And now their super secret weapon is uh, look at the dead person uh, that uh, Alpha said she killed in order to save face. But uh, Alpha's not uh, she's not the pure uh, being that you think she is. She's just a manipulative bitch. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. So we take a commercial break here, but we come back to events immediately following that because Carol is running up to get Lydia. She's going to bring her down and say, look, Lydia's right here. But Daryl stops her and he says that she's been through enough. Um, uh, but Carol wants Lydia to make up her own mind here. Yeah. I I don't know about this scene. I, I feel like it's actually kind of dumb that Daryl stops her. I know he's trying to protect Lydia and I know he's he's developed some sort of protective relationship with her. But at the same time, it is a good idea, I think, to march her in there and go, look, your leader isn't what she says she is. Yeah, but it should be up to Lydia, right? Well, we should explain the situation to her and let her decide what the best course of action for her is. I, I do nope. agree with that, yeah. But Daryl was saying, like, don't even go up there. Don't even bring up the topic well, with her. That still belittles Lydia. It, you, uh, it, it, it's both Carol and Daryl trying to make decisions for Lydia without informing her of what the situation is. Yeah. And I think that's wrong. It's, I think the only real good course of action is to talk to Lydia and have her weigh in on what they should do. Yeah. You go in and say, so look, we had this idea. We want to see what you think about it. Yeah. We found this out that, uh, your mother is lying to, I mean, you know, this is a shitty situation, but your mother is telling everybody that, uh, that. She killed you, and this guy thinks you're dead. Uh, we, you know, maybe if we show them that you're not dead, that they will know that your mother is uh, manipulating them and not being not being truthful. And that yeah. might be the uh, uh, might be the idea that breaks the their society apart. Yeah, that's what that's how you got to approach it. But we don't get to that point uh, because Carol and Daryl both have their own ideas of what the right thing to do is. Yeah. Informed consent. That's all we all need to do is just, you know, tell people what's going on and get their consent. Let them make their own decisions. Damn it. Yeah. All right. Well, we get a quick scene of Sadiq with Cheryl again, and he sits down near her bed and she, she encourages him to get some rest now because she can tell he's super tired and worn out. So he sits down and he closes his eyes. Uh, but before anything happens this time, we go over back to Aaron at the border with Gamma again. Uh, she takes the drawing that Gracie did and looks at it. They talk about riding bikes as kids. Aaron reveals that he has a brother or had a brother. And he suggests that she talk about her family. Uh, but he also mentions that he knows what she's doing. She's there digging for information. And he thinks that maybe they should just talk about nothing worth reporting. Um, and just kind of be friends in a way. Yeah, which is exactly what Eugene is doing with that unnamed person on the radio, right? Right, except Eugene really wants to be, you know, maybe not more than friends, but he really wants to have someone he can open up to. 
Well, that's uh, well, yes, but I mean, it's a very similar situation. You don't know this person. Uh, there's no real safe topic to talk about your present lives. So the yep. only th- safe thing to say is uh, stuff that doesn't matter, yeah. which is their past lives. Well, and, that, and that's what Aaron is suggesting here. But I, and I think it gets to Gamma a little bit because she kind of gets up and walks away doing that whisperer chant that we heard earlier this season. Yeah. So, so I think she's trying to like, she's feeling like, oh my God, this guy's right. Maybe we should not try to kill each other. And she's trying to, you know, reinvigorate her resolve, her whisper resolve, sort of, and yeah. stay on she their also side. Got, she also got caught in a lie, right? Because she said earlier in a previous scene that she didn't uh, have any brothers or sisters, or no siblings. Right. And then here she said, we used to ride home on our bikes. Yeah. And he said, you know, brother or sister. And then she got up and fucked off. Yeah. So uh, it, it's... I don't know if it's necessary. I don't know if I necessarily agree that it's because she thinks uh, Aaron is right. I think that she is more upset that she got caught in a lie. She messed up. Yeah. She true. messed up. So their whole, and, and uh, Aaron knows what's going on that she's pumping for information. So she's, she's been outed fully. Yeah. So she has failed her mission. So she's uh, upset about that and leaving. She, that's what I got out of that. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Aaron basically took the upper hand in this whole situation. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, she storms which, off. Yeah, which also will, you know, flow into what happens next in between them. All right. Well, the next scene is the whisperer in the cell doing, you know, the prisoner doing kind of the same thing, the same chant. Uh, Dante, Gabe, and Sadiq come back in because he's apparently really ill and he's burning up. He pukes all over Dante and then suddenly dies like he's dead. He, something crazy just happened. Yeah. Um, Carol arrives with Lydia, but Daryl shoes them away. They barely get in the room. And Sadiq notices that Dante gave the prisoner hemlock, which killed him because hemlock is poisonous, right? I would assume so. Yeah. I mean, hemlock tea is a thing you give people and then they die. So, uh, is it? yeah, apparently. So don't make tea out of hemlock. It's bad. You, for you've you. done, you've done this? No. I've you just, know, you know, what's... It's, I, I've just heard about it. I think it's one oh, of those things. Oh, I've never heard about that. Hemlock. I've heard of hemlock, but only in terms of, uh, fantasy stuff like D and D or. Oh no. Never, not the, it's, it's a real thing. It's a real thing and it's poisonous or something. I know nightshade is a real thing, but. Well, I'm not even sure about that. Anyways, Dante says he didn't know. You know, he just pulled this out of the bag. He thought it was something else that would help treat this guy's illness. And, you know, they're all very accusatory of Dante, of like, what have you done here? Why'd you give it to him? And he reveals that Sadiq packed the stuff in the bag, so he didn't expect it to be there. Why would you pack something dangerous and poisonous in a bag of herbs and medicines that is designed to help sick people. So my bullshit meter went all the way into the red. The needle went like ping on on the, uh, the stopping post in the red at this time. Did it. What kind of doctor administers something when he's not sure what it is, or he assumes what it is like, damn it, man, know what you're giving somebody. I get that. And I totally agree with you. Certainly in the real world. But in this situation, it's like there are two doctors. They work together constantly. One of them packs a bag of supplies. The other one 
takes that bag and uses those supplies. It doesn't seem so far-fetched to me. It's the exact same thing as if somebody handed somebody else a loaded weapon saying it was empty, and then the other person pulling the trigger saying, I didn't know it was loaded. It's, but it's, you always check and you should know. You should always assume a firearm is loaded, even when you're absolutely positive that it's not. I know, but you said, you said handed someone a firearm and said, this is not loaded. And then it was or whatever. Yeah. I don't think it's quite the same. You pack a bag with a deadly poison in it. I take the bag knowing as a doctor, we're both doctors. You hand me a bag with a deadly poison. I administer something which I assume is not a deadly poison. It's like, God damn it, man. You should know. You should know the difference between hemlock and whatever you were supposed to administer. If you don't know, then you have failed. Regardless of what that bag was full of, you have failed. I suppose you're correct about that, but I just don't totally agree that Dante is to- is in the wrong for assuming that what's in the bag is helpful and not poisonous. Why do they even have hemlock to begin with? You, you can't give it to anyone. It's not good for healing anybody. Why would he even think that it's there? I don't know. Right. I, I don't know, but fucking Dante should know, right? I mean, maybe he should be more careful. My assumption at this point was that uh, Sadiq is a doctor and he knows what hemlock is. Yeah. Uh, Dante is a doctor and probably knows what hemlock is. Uh, he administered hemlock to this whisperer. And the fact that he's saying that he didn't know what it was pegged my bullshit meter all the way into the red. Okay, but I like, did not believe him at this point. I was like, holy shit, what's going on with Dante? Fine. But if you were handed two bags, one of salt and one of sugar, by yeah. by looking at them only, could you tell the difference? Maybe, yeah, salt is square and sugar is not. Well, I'm talking if it was ground into a fine powder. You can't you can't. You can't say you would be able to tell the difference. Yeah, but if I couldn't tell the difference, I wouldn't and one of them was deadly, I wouldn't give one give it to somebody assuming that it was not the deadly one. Sugar. I would not well, I don't know which one's more deadly, sugar or salt. They're probably both equally deadly. Uh maybe sugar more. I, I think, don't know. I anyway, think sugar a little bit more, yeah. If I couldn't tell the difference, I'd probably try and find out what it was before I gave it to somebody else. I know, I understand that. I just there's no conceivable reason Let's just say there's no conceivable reason to have hemlock in a bag, in a doctor's bag. So why do you even assume, why would you even go there that it might be? You know what I mean? Oh, okay. If this was anybody else but another doctor, if this was Father <laughs> Gabe, yeah. if this was Aaron, if this was Lydia, if it was Carol, it was Daryl, it was uh, Michonne, anybody else handed an uh, handed a substance and said, this is, I'm going to forget what the, what it was supposed to be, but uh, this is something that will help people with pain. Mm-hmm. And then it turns out that it's actually hemlock and will kill them. That's one thing. Like, cause they don't know they're told by a doctor uh, or, you know, told by Sadiq that this is something that will help them. And I'm going to give you something that will help you assuming that what that is. But Dante is another doctor. He should know and has the responsibility to know and probably did know. And ultimately he absolutely knew. So, but my assumption at this time is that this doctor also 
should have known what was uh, what that substance was. Yes, I agree. He should have. But I just I don't I can't let him off the hook, and that's that's what pegged my bullshit meter over is that I didn't let him off the hook. He probably knew. I'm just I'm that. just thinking that if you are, um, if you are what do they call people new doctors in hospitals? Uh, resident. resident. If you're a resident and you're working under another doctor, and that other doctor, um, says, "Here's a bag of stuff that you're going to need today to treat patients." You're going to assume that that, I mean, maybe you shouldn't, and maybe this isn't how doctoring works, but I would think if your boss gives you something and says, here's what you need today, you're going to assume it's what you need today. It's not something that's going to kill all your patients. <sighs> and maybe I don't know how, I don't know how that works in the real world. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, but I do know that doctors don't administer medication <laughs> things they don't know it's the, it's the nurses that do that doctors well, order it nurses administer it okay well and you the know nurses what I, you would know, I mean. know and they would call bullshit right away it's like i'm not giving this guy that dosage of what you told me to give him because that'll fucking kill him are you dumb okay so let's let's boil this down and move on but are you saying that when dante says sadiq you packed the bag is is that a lie too yes it is well i don't know if that's a lie or not but that's that's trying to shift blame in my mind. He was trying to shift blame at that time. He's not uh he's not saying that I didn't know what was going on. It must have been your fault. I think he was I thought at that moment that he was actively shifting blame uh knowing full well that he was uh, the cause of death. So why doesn't Sadiq say I you know what do you mean I packed the bag? Like I wouldn't put that in there or is he taking advantage of Sadiq's mental state? thinking that he might make a mistake. He's taking advantage of Sadiq's mental state. He's probably, um, well, ultimately we know that uh, he's probably a catalyst for his mental state. So Dante why is, is actively trying to make Sadiq unstable. So, so we didn't know that at this time. Right. So why doesn't Sadiq say something and stand up for himself? He, he doesn't. he's confused. He doesn't know anymore. He's losing time, right? He's got right. some missing, he's got some missing time. He's got some shit going on. His thought in his mind was, oh, crap, did I pack that bag with uh, this deadly poison? What was it called? Nightshade? Hemlock. Hemlock. <laughs> okay. Uh, did I do that? Maybe I did that. I'm sorry. I never imagined this scene would be so uh, divisive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I just, it was here where I started to suspect Dante. Something going on. Okay. Something's going on because Dante's a doctor and should know better. Well, if you were watching it live, you'd have an entire commercial break right after this to think about it. Uh, and when we come back, we've got Gamma again, and she's still looking at the drawing, but she's alone in the forest now. And she has to kill a walker that attacks her. Um, and after she does, Alpha is there. I guess she's witnessed what's going on. She asks about the man with the metal arm, and Alpha's kind of disappointed at how little information Gamma has gathered. And she punishes her, I guess, by whipping her arm a few times with a stick and drawing some blood. That's not a punishment. That's just a reminder of uh, their of who they are. So it's a motivation more than a punishment? It's more of a motivation. It's more of a ritual than anything. Okay. It's it's like uh it's like beating yourself with a cat of nine tails in order to absolve yourself of sins. Sure. Right? Who doesn't do that? Well, of course. Yeah. But you know, it's it's the physical anguish 
to alleviate the moral anguish. Sure. So this is what Alpha is doing is she's applying physical uh, pain in order to um, continue the brainwashing. Got it. Okay. Well, I think Alpha also seems to realize that Gamma is a little bit tempted by Aaron, and she tells her not to be seduced by the man with the metal arm. <laughs> yeah. You know, that metal arm probably works for him <laughs> in the seduction department. Well, I mean, it depends on the attachments, I suppose. I, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Yeah. All right, back in the cell quickly, we have uh, Daryl and Gabe, and Father Gabe is concerned that people will panic if they find out what happened here. And then Daryl st st stabs the guy in the head so he doesn't come back. Why would they panic? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean... Because maybe they had a prisoner and they took it, took the prisoner from the whispers and they think the whispers will retaliate in some way. Mm, that might cause some panic. Maybe. Okay. I don't, I don't know. I didn't get it. I'm like, well, yeah, we captured this guy and uh, he died, by the way. Uh, we're not sure exactly right. how or why. And, that, but. and that's going to piss Alpha off and now she's going to send her giant horde because she's pissed. I think that would that would at least worry some people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, how's Alpha going to find out? She'd have to have a spy in their midst. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we see, we have a quick shot of Carol and Lydia riding on a horse on their way somewhere. Don't really know where yet. And then we get Sadiq again. He comes to see Cheryl, but finds her bed stripped and empty. And outside, Dante is about to bury her because she has died, sadly. And he says he was going to go find Sadiq to tell him, but Sadiq just walks away. Poor Cheryl. Yeah. Um, Sadiq starts flashing back through everything that's happened. He, we, we see him telling Cheryl she's going to be okay. You know, the hemlock comes to his mind. Then the barn, and we see Enid again. I, I was excited about that. Well, that was sort of Enid, right? No, was it was actually her? Actual shot of Enid, yeah. Okay. Actual that's shot. Uh, Sadiq can't really keep it together, so he runs and jumps into the lake. And while he's underwater, we have more flashbacks to the barn. And we basically find out here that the Whisperers forced him to watch them behead all of his friends. This is kind of the first time where I think it's been explicitly clear on the screen. This is what happened to him. Oh, I just kind of assumed. Well, yeah, you could sort of assume before this, but I think they basically showed it to us in these flashbacks. So we, it's all becoming a little clearer, at least for well, me anyways. You know, the the whole thing of open your eyes, which we've seen in previous episodes, yeah. made me think that somebody kept saying open your eyes in order to, why would you keep telling someone to open their eyes if you didn't want them to watch something? And, if, yep. and what, you know, what they wanted him to watch was the main event in that barn. The main event, baby. <laughs> some beheadings. Yeah. Um, back in the lake, though, we are underwater with him. Somebody else jumps in. Turns out it's Rosita, and she pulls him out. So I guess she's feeling better. I would assume so. Yeah, I think so. Uh, we cut to on the dock, and they're talking about what happened. She wants him to talk about it, um, or she says, we both go back in and they drown together. And he starts explaining things. He says, it's like I'm still there in the barn. And he basically lays out everything to her and says it just won't stop. Uh, he feels like he watched it all and he did nothing and now more people are dying. And he says that Dante reminds him of Enid because, you know, remember she was training to be his doctor assistant or nurse or whatever. 
and then Dante came along and kind of replaced her. Right. So that's why we saw Enid in that flashback. Um, and the implication here, at least for me, is that Rosita knows what he went through. So now that I think about it, maybe Gabe does know what he went through because he doesn't really explain it to her. He just says, it feels like I'm still there and I can't make it stop. Right. Okay. So if she knows, then, uh, Gabe knows. Right. Which explains the scene earlier a little bit better, I think. So, um, that helps. Well, Uh, this is, uh, you know, water absolves sins, right? Uh, so anytime someone takes a shower or jumps in a lake or basically gets baptized, uh, so that's what Sadiq is going through at this point. He was, uh, in a, in a, in a, a peak of moral anguish and then he jumped in the lake and was saved. Uh-huh. So now he can move forward. He can, so this, that, that was his, uh, his lowest point. Yeah. He comes out, he can let it all out and he can start healing and moving forward. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, Rosita basically says that too, you have to fight it and he will, and he's not alone, you know, all that kind of stuff. And eventually he starts saying that he just can't figure out why everybody is sick. He says they don't work together. They don't live together. They don't even eat the same things. There's no common thread causing this illness. And as he's talking, of course, they're sitting in front of the lake. The water thing is nearby. He's looking around. And suddenly he realizes that it must be the water that he's been giving everybody. Yep. It's Good in, work. It's in the water. He goes back to that water filling station and he fiddles with a valve for a minute and then loses his temper and starts smashing a table. He's very angry still. He's angry, understandably so. So after a commercial break, we are back at that border crossing where Gamma and Aaron have been hanging out. It's nighttime now. Gamma tries to return the drawing to Aaron, uh, but he says you can keep it, and then she throws it on the ground. She's acting a little bit more hostile now, for sure. He goes to pick up the paper. She grabs him while he's bending over and puts a knife to his neck and says, you know what? I just want answers now. No more of this small talk, friendly bullshit. Give me some real information. Aaron's track record lately is not very good. Like He got uh, bested by Negan and now bested by Gamma. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's got to step up a little bit, I think. I think maybe so. You're right. I mean, for a dude with a metal arm, he needs to start living up to it. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it's not because metal arms are awesome. I mean, he had his arm amputated, right? That's not... Uh, no, I know, but it's like, I do kind of think the metal arm is awesome. Like It's, it's pretty badass. And we know it has different attachments. Uh, we do. Yeah. Right? So... There's some, probably some pretty good ones. Some fun, not some not so fun. Yeah. Well, um, as she's holding the knife to his neck, Carol comes out of the woods with her bow cocked. Is that the right word for having a bow ready Drawn. to fire? Drawn. Not cocked? You, you draw your bow. You know, you cock a weapon, you draw your bow. You, you can't draw a gun and cock a bow? Cock a bow. You probably could. Maybe you can draw a gun. <laughs> okay. You could probably draw a gun right now. No, not right now. I don't know how to cock a bow. Okay. <laughs> I got some ideas, but you're we'll just, just not, you're just not trying hard enough, Jason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lydia is there too. And Gamma sees her, freaks out a little bit, lets Aaron go and runs off. And then Carol tells Lydia what Alpha did. She realizes she's been used in all of this and is pissed off. And she accuses Carol of being just like Alpha. 
you know, manipulating her, using her. Yeah. And that's true. You know, it's totally true. So Lydia decides that she's going back to the Whisperers. She hits Carol and then runs back across the border. Yeah. So so what uh, what Lydia's missing here is that she doesn't know that pissing Carol off is a death sentence. <laughs> so she should be careful. She should. Yeah, she should very much be careful. But she's also young and she feels used. And she's like, you know what? I'm not going to be used by you. So if you're just as bad as my mom, I'm going back to my mom. Well, being young is exactly, you know, Carol's victim type. Yeah, fair. <laughs> young and <Anyway>. female. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I mean, it works. You know, she's going to run off to the uh, to the Whisperers. That works. Don't forget, Negan is with the Whisperers, so she's going to go and reunite with her best buddy, Negan. And... Yeah, they're going to be a power duo. She's going to be the uh, the shock that uh, rattles the society to its core. Mm-hmm. And Negan's going to be, uh, you know what? I got a leather jacket and Lucille too, so let's bust some heads. I, I Honestly, I really like how they're setting this up. You know, this seems really well thought through. Like Negan gets out, he goes to the Whisperers, he marches around like the leader of the whole thing, you know, and... Now, all of a sudden, and they've developed this relationship between him and Lydia. So he, you know, they feel like they have something going and now she's going to show up too. And that may change Negan's whole plan if he even had wait. one. Okay, wait. Waiting. Why, why is Carol and why, why are Carol and Lydia on this bridge? Why did they come here? Yeah, that's a good question because that's not entirely clear. I kind of thought that maybe... Maybe Aaron or Carol, Carol knew that Aaron had been meeting with Gamma and they were going to try the same thing with Gamma that they were going to try with the prisoner. Bring Lydia and reveal to Gamma that, look, Alpha lied to you and try the same thing. But did we see the conversation between Lydia and uh, Carol to start this journey to this bridge? You know what? Um I may have glossed over it, which is my bad, but I do feel like there was a scene earlier where they have a quick, like, let's go out for a ride. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it was the scene where we see them on horseback and Gam or uh, Lydia says, where are we going? We're not, we're obviously not going hunting. So Carol told her we're going to go out on a hunt and then has, is taking her here. So she fooled her into leaving. Oh, so Carol let Negan out. Because Carol is the spider queen pulling all of the threads mm. on her web. Uh, <laughs> so she let Negan out to do his thing, and now she's got Lydia on uh, on the hook to do her thing. Yeah. Uh, Carol is, and she captured this dude, Yeah, uh, you know, behind Daryl's back. She wanted to, uh, originally to go out on this little crusade without Daryl, but Daryl tagged along. So Carol's the mastermind. Carol let Daryl, uh, Negan out. Yeah. You know what? I think you have just figured it all out. Carol is kind of, it's her plan. All of this stuff is her plan. This is her doing She's a little bit of an agent of chaos, I think, because she throws Negan into the whisperers, which will definitely start up some chaos. I don't know if she's an agent of chaos and she let loose chaos. She's inciting right? it. She, She's Pandora, not the box. Okay, it's fine. Pandora's box, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good analogy, I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> um, but you're. I think. I think you've nailed this, man. I mean, 
Carol is the mastermind behind all of this. Let Negan out, capture the Whisperer, use um, use Lydia in some way. The only thing she couldn't have known is that the Whispers didn't know that Alpha said Lydia was dead. Or could she have known that somehow? Is there any way? She'll, well, there is, but it's that she could have known that based on information that we don't have yet. I so, guess. That's a little I mean, cheap, the re- though. It is a little cheap. There's nothing, I don't think there's anything we've seen so far that tells us that she knew. But that doesn't mean she doesn't and that the writers won't include that in the next episode. Yeah, very, very good point. Or maybe it's just a happy coincidence moment that just made her plan even better, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, she was going to beat the shit out of this guy instead of feeding him jam. Yeah. Right? Her original plan was to do that. So she's she's able to uh, pivot on new information. So... Uh, you know, having this bit about Lydia just, you know, sparked another, hey, let's add some chaos. Yeah, yeah. Let's go see if we can add some more chaos to this situation. Oh, man. Well, I am so sure we've got all this figured out, but at the same time, it could just totally go a whole different way next week. Oh, yeah. Anytime I'm absolutely sure that I'm right, I'm dead wrong. Sure. Just ask your wife. Yeah. Well, long before that. It started (laughs) in childhood. (laughs) All right. Yeah. So uh, I'm about 80% sure that this is what's going on. Got it. All right. Well, um, what happens? Lydia runs off across the border, says she's going back to the Whisperers. We get a quick scene of Gamma in the forest alone crying. So she's obviously been affected by all of this. And then we cut to the final scene of the episode, really. We have Sadiq at night. He's staring at a window. Dante comes in behind him but Sadiq wants to be left alone. Dante apologizes and says he uh, has to pitch in with the water, you know, and just do more around there. He talks about how Alexandria works because it's a village and everybody does their part and has their job. Uh, It takes everyone carrying equal weight to make it work, he says. Well, I'm just thinking of it takes a village to make a village. It does. It takes a village, 100%. Um, Dante calls Sadiq a friend and says that everything's going to be okay. You know, meanwhile, Sadiq is staring out the window the whole time with his back to him and he kind of flashes back again. We get similar scenes to last time, but now we're shown, um, one particular whisperer who's holding his head and holding his eyes open to force him to watch the beheadings. And as we fade back to the present, we fade in, and Dante's face behind Sadiq is suddenly a whisperer mask that quickly fades out back to Dante's face. And yep. We, and we hear, open your eyes again. So Sadiq turns around, and they kind of stand there looking at each other for a minute. Sadiq has realized that Dante is actually a goddamn whisperer who has infiltrated the society. So he goes for a chair. To like, I guess, pick up and club him with, but they end up. Oh, there's an axe hanging on the chair. Oh, I didn't notice his axe. I just saw the yeah. chair. So he's going yeah. for the axe. Yeah, the axe was in a sheath hanging on the chair. Got it. All right, but he doesn't get it. They end up fighting. Dante gets him in a headlock, and you know he's lowering him down to the ground a little bit. Dante says something like, "I didn't want this. Not you. Not like this." And then he chokes him to death, and Sadiq goes limp. Dante drops him to the ground, cut to black, the end. So how about that, Jason? Sadiq is dead, 
and Dante's, <laughs> a, Dante's a whisperer, <laughs> and holy crap. Okay, so, yes, big reveal. I didn't see that coming. I mean, but from now on, I'm going to assume that any new character is a spy. Right? Right. we have to. Haven't you been doing that for a long time anyways? I have, but I somehow missed Dante. Incredible, isn't it? They yeah. pulled the wool right over your eyes, man. He was so annoying that I bought into the character. Um, you know what? I, I can't say I found him annoying. I found him peculiar and a little bit unusual, but frankly, kind of funny too. Um, but I never thought he was a whisperer. No. So, so let me give you some advice, Chris. Yeah. On the internet. Uh, if you are all of a sudden confronted with someone you've known for a while that turns out to be your mortal enemy and that you feel like, um, you need to kill them. Yeah. Try not to let on right away. That's a good, a good <laughs> advice. And I was thinking the same thing. All Sadiq had to do was turn around and be like, you're a good friend too. And walk out of the room. Yeah. You're a good friend too. I'm having a rough time. You know what? I just need to get some sleep. Why don't you do uh, the same thing and I'll make yeah. you some hemlock tea in the morning. Yeah. Or, you know, I'll sneak into your room at, at night, as you've probably invited me to do a number of times, only this time I will have a hatchet and we'll talk about uh, splitting your head open. Yeah. And finding out what's inside. Well. Or take you prisoner and put you in the cage and let Carol feed you some jam. In the cell. That's right. Um, do you really think that Sadiq might not be dead? Come on. I don't believe people are dead until they have a grave scene. Well, I mean, he looked pretty dead, Jason. I He did look pretty dead, but, uh, you know, we've had dead before and we've, but this show kills people, this and the uh, Fear of the Walking Dead, especially, uh, kill people, but don't actually show them dead, even though Sadiq looked like he was dead, but you can't choke out someone in a matter of 15 seconds. No. I don't know if you know that, but it takes a long time to yes. kill somebody by choking them that way. I know. You can make them pass out. Yeah. I and, think I think you got to shorten time a little bit, though, for a TV well, yeah. show. But um, you also, they also have tropes where you're choking someone and you hear the crunch, right? Crunch. Right. Then yes. you know that that person's dead because you've crushed their windpipe and there's all kinds of things. Or you have a garrote and their head comes clean off because people have soft necks and stuff. But yeah, no, do I, I think Sadiq's alive? I don't know. I'm on the fence. I'm really on the fence. I'm about 60% sure that he's dead. Well, that's actually not that high a percentage, I would say. I'm, I'm pretty convinced he's dead. I don't think, I don't think Angela would do this to us. I don't think she'd make him look that dead and just go there and then come back next week and be like, oh, you know what? He was just unconscious or he wasn't dead. You know, the, the only thing I can see going on here, maybe, is that Dante is in fact a doctor. So... What if Dante revives him, right? What if, yeah, he stopped breathing, but what if he gives him CPR and he revives him and he's not dead? That way he's, he's actually dead right now, but by the time next week starts, <laughs> he's no longer dead. I'm not, oh, he died. That's usually permanent. I, I'm going to hate that <laughs> to be fair, but it, that's the only thing I could sort of see them doing. And then they have to deal with that fact. But, but at the end of the day, I think Sadiq is dead. I think he's done for. He 
appeared, Avi Nash appeared on AMC's Talking Dead show after the episode, and they often do that when a character's killed off. However... Did they talk about him being dead? Well, I don't know. I didn't watch it. But they did... What they used to do on that show is when someone dies in the episode, because they announce the guests ahead of time, right? So they say, tonight on Talking Dead, we're going to have so-and-so and so-and-so and and a surprise guest. And then you always knew someone was going to die that episode. They didn't do that this time, though. A few days ahead of time, they announced that it was going to be Chandler Riggs and Avi Nash. And then at the end of this episode, he's dead. And you're like, oh, that's why he's on there. But they also masqueraded it as, you know, if you recall, um, Carl was the first person and he was instrumental in bringing Sadiq into the group. So putting those two actors on the show together kind of made sense. Very smart. Yeah. So they they handled things way better this this time, I think. And although I didn't watch it, I'm pretty sure Avinash got on there and was like, yeah, I'm dead. I'm off the show. The other thing is his hair's short and all cut now. Oh, so, yeah. That's your theory of so haircuts. He's, he's, I think he's toast. <laughs> okay. So I agree. And I think it's a better story if he's dead. Yes. Because if Sadiq's dead, then everybody's going to freak out that, oh, my goodness, Sadiq died. Or he's missing or whatever. But then Dante's still in the community and we all know he is not who he says he is. Yeah. And that's a much better story. Nobody knows. The only person who figured it out is now gone. Yeah. The audience knows much like it's, it's like a three's company episode, right? The audience knows everything and the characters don't. No, they don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, it, it's, it, you know, hilarity ensues. Yes. And especially Don Knotts, because Don Knotts would not know anything in that show. A quick um, aside. Mr. F- Mr. Furley. A lot awesome. of people wrote in to tell you what the movie is where Don Knotts uh, turns oh, into a great. fish. So What's it called? I don't remember. Actually, I do. But <sighs> we'll, we'll, no, I do. It's we'll, But we'll get to it on Thursday's feedback show. Oh, man. It's a teaser, are maybe. You tell- are you telling me that not only do I not know, but that I probably shouldn't look it up between now and then? Well, feel free if you want, but, you know. Oh, I'll leave it. I'll, you know, I can ignore the, uh, I can do, not do a search on the internet for a couple of days. Yeah. All right. Fair. Uh, let's see. I had one other thing to say. Oh yeah. Sadiq is probably dead because he also, remember he's a doctor and. Oh yeah. Doctors die. They don't survive very long on this show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, And so we got one doctor who's now dead and then one doctor who is a whisperer a mole yes mole an undercover agent right a spy if you will <laughs> well, is he a spy yeah i guess he was a spy i mean kind of he's more of like a inciter of unrest because he's not i don't think he's sending information back which is what a spy would do there's no way for him to do it right uh, i don't know i mean Radio, pigeons, smoke signals. Smoke signals. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, there's got to be a way. I mean, they wouldn't put him undercover without uh, giving him a way to give information. Unless wow. they you know, left him there to gather information and then they'll extract him at some point. Yeah, there could be that. I don't know. He could just wander off one day, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he likes being a doctor and not wandering around the woods with dead people all the time having to listen to his stupid alpha. Yeah, it could be, right? But then he probably wouldn't. Uh, play out his duties as well if he decided he liked it there. Maybe he actually did defect, uh-huh. right? So maybe he's not a spy, 
but he did actually decide to leave the whispers and go into uh the the society that the the uh, the community and use his skills for good maybe he's being genuine and honest but got caught or was worried about being caught by this whisperer dude that was captured so he killed him uh out of self preservation and not out of uh trying to protect alpha right and, and then, then things then have kind of spiraled out of control since then and then sadiq yeah Clues in. He's like, shit, now I got to kill Sadiq. Maybe this whole thing is not because he's an undercover agent, but he's just, he's actually defected and he's trying to protect himself. Yeah. That's a pretty good theory too. Like killing people is a slippery slope, right? He killed, he had to kill the prisoner and he's like, well, I had to kill him. Now I got to kill the next guy. Yeah. Well, that's the way it works, right? You, uh, you, you fuck up a, a little bit and then in order to, and then you try and cover that up and then to cover that up, you have to kill a person and then somebody sees you kill that person and just spirals out of control. And mm-hmm. by the, by the end of the day, you've, you've killed everybody. Absolutely. That's right. <laughs> and then the, uh, then the whispers have what they want anyhow. So, I mean, this whole thing has started probably, uh, you know, 50,000 years ago and it's still, uh, it's still happening and eventually we'll all, all be dead just because somebody's trying to cover something up. 50,000 years ago. <laughs> right. That's could very possibly be true. All right. Well, so why doesn't, uh, Lydia wait. know? Okay. Guy? All right. That's the next question. I was going to say, let's end here with a few holy craps and a question. <laughs> and, oh, okay. And then you ask the question. So sorry, I'll, I'll frame it here. Natalie on the internet wrote, Hey, Chris and Jason, I have a question for you guys. If Dante is a whisperer spy, not Enid, she says, when did he well, they did mention Enid? Yeah, Sorry. they did. When did he infiltrate our communities and why doesn't Lydia recognize him? Those are two very good questions. It does seem odd that he would be the one in the barn holding Sadiq's eyes open and then pretty much immediately after that, I don't know, wander up to the gate and say, I'm lost. Take me in. Help me. I'm a doctor. Help me. I'm a doctor. You're my only <laughs> hope. I don't know. Um, and why doesn't Lydia recognize him? That's another question. Maybe she does. Maybe she's also an infiltrator. Well, maybe. Um, did Lydia ever... Okay, stupid question, because we just talked about the episode, but did Lydia ever come face-to-face with him? Well, that's kind of a thin thing to rely on for not recognizing Dante. Well, uh, yeah, I suppose. And in fact, she probably did come face-to-face with him at some point. I don't know. Well, you know, he's a doctor. Yeah. She might have, you know, scratched her foot somewhere along the line and needed a stitch. Yeah. Well, anyways, I mean, it is a good question. Um, maybe Dante never took his skin mask off, so she never saw his real face? You I know? suppose that's possible, but she knew that other guy. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Dante was just in a totally different job, like, role as her. Like, he was always out hurt, hurting the horde. And so was that other guy. Yeah, I don't know. You're right. It it, it it's it, not explained it's, so far. It's unexplained. Yeah. And and I think they have to realize that this is the first thing everyone's thinking, you know, why doesn't she know him? So maybe they'll explain it next week. Imagine the horror if uh, you know, Angela Kang is sitting in her house right now going, "Fuck." <laughs> Just oh shit, we released this and the internet's going, why doesn't Lydia recognize him? And we're all just blinded by our own yeah. uh, sense of self-worth and 
shit, that never occurred to us. Yeah, she's banging her head against the wall going, God, no, damn no. It, damn it, damn it. How am I going to deal with this? How did this and get it's too th- late now. <laughs> right. How did this get through teams of people and no one said anything? <laughs> I mean, worse things have happened, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. But listen, if that's the case, I feel bad for her. And I wouldn't be surprised if we see an episode in season 11 that explains it. But right now it's too late. And all that is, you know, all joking aside, I have complete faith in Angela Kang after two seasons or a season and a half of excellent TV. So she's not going to fuck that up. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, that would be nice if that were true. And uh, I also believe that. But, you know, if it was a if this is an oh, oh shit moment where Nobody realized that uh, Lydia probably should have recognized Dante. Mm-hmm. They're just going to gloss over it because, you know, pointing to it a year and a half down the road. Oh, yeah. Is not going to make things better. No, by then we'll have all forgotten about it anyway. So why bring it up? Exactly. We're fickle. Yeah. We're going to be like uh, two. It's going to be Christmas soon. And then we'll forget all about this. Right. Right. Well, I, I should note here, too, that a lot of other people have already written in about this question and I haven't read too much of the email feedback we've gotten yet. Uh, but of course I'll be doing that over the next couple of days in prep for Thursday's feedback show. So maybe we'll have more to say about it then, um, especially when we get more ideas and theories from other listeners. So, uh, put a pin in it for now and we'll talk about it in a couple of days, probably. Cool. Uh, but we do have three more Holy craps here. They're all kind of along the same lines. Uh, Cindy, Cindy in Columbus, Ohio says, what an ending. Holy crap. I knew Dante was creepy, but I never saw that coming. RIP Sadiq. So Sadiq's dead. Eric in Virginia. Holy crap. Dante was a whisperer. I was completely blindsided by this, especially as a reader of the comic. After Dante's speech, I thought Sadiq might realize what a dick he had been uh, to the seemingly loyal and friendly Dante. They'd hug it out and maybe even become bros for life. What an amazing turn. Hats off to Nash, Cardenas, Kang, Cudlets, and crew for an awesome scene. And finally, our friend Adam in Austin, Texas wrote, holy crap, so that was not at all expected. Dante has been acting squirrely since the beginning. To be honest, I thought he had a crush on Sadiq the way he was acting. Now, I kind of hope we get a half episode or two about how he snuck in and or how he was more or less exported in from Whisperer to Alexandrian. Right. And that's a good point. I wouldn't mind knowing a little bit more about that um, if we're going to learn more about something. Um, How did Dante make the transition from one group to the other without arousing any suspicion? Uh, Yeah, but I would also along those lines would want to know how Alpha was able to extract all of those people out from the fair without anybody noticing. Oh yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe they're related (laughs) to be honest. She couldn't have done it herself. She needed help, right? There must've been other whisperers in disguise, right? Yeah. I mean, if they're going to bring back uh, Alpha wearing that dress, then they might as well have a whole episode with her wearing it. Right. Right. Yeah, of course. But like, um, that made maybe that explains the Dante thing, right? If they could get multiple whispers in in disguise, how hard would it be to get Dante in too? You know? Yeah. Maybe they, yeah, maybe they have a whole, uh, you know, society infiltration division in the, uh, <laughs> uh, in the whispers. And that's why Lydia doesn't recognize them because these people are kept separate. So that they mm-hmm. can do infiltrations without anybody knowing. Totally makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> and just about the, uh, about the line of, uh, thinking that, uh, Sadiq and Dante would become best bros for life. I couldn't help but thinking that uh, 
uh, Dante did spend the rest of his life. Uh, sorry, uh, Sadiq did spend the rest of his life in Dante's arms. He did. Yeah, because he was choked to death. Oh, so he spent the rest of his life in Dante's arms. Well, get now I get it now. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> good one, Jason. <laughs> sorry, that's all right. You know that uh, if you tried hard enough, you could hold your breath for the rest of your life. I'm I'm not going to try that hard. <laughs> yeah, not going to try just, that hard. Just saying. Yeah, good point. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this. I want to tell you how you can help support the show. And then I have a brief public service announcement for everyone, which I know is weird, but I'm going to do it anyways. Um, if you want to help out with, you know, the cost of, of putting on this show and everything we do here, that would be wonderful, first of all, but certainly not expected of anyone. But if you do, there's two ways to do that. You can become a patron at patreon.com slash the talking dead. And that means you sort of pledge a very small monthly amount to come to us as little as a buck, but as much as however amount you want. And uh, it's, it's a great way to show your support. If that's not your thing, though, you can visit talkingdeadpodcast.com slash PayPal and be fired straight over to PayPal where you can make a one-time contribution, which is more... Uh, up some people's alley so that's a great way to do it as well and just know that we appreciate every single contribution and you know it goes into the cost of hosting and uh, various other things that um, add up by doing this show um, so thank you so much to everyone for who does that and thanks to everyone who just listens and spreads the word by leaving reviews on apple podcasts and various other places that is a great way to uh, lend some support as well all right, uh, before we end here, I mentioned this quick PSA I want to make, and this is weird. I know it's very weird, but I've noticed something about some of the audio files that people send in as feedback, and yeah. I'm not sure if people realize this is happening because I certainly was not aware of it, but um, because I receive audio files from people, I started to notice it. and. What seems to be happening is some audio files that I get from people who have recorded something using their phone, and in this case specifically iPhones, with the um, voice recording app, whatever it's called, I can't remember off the top of my head. Is it Voice Memo? I believe so. Yeah. So that app, for some bizarro reason, names the file with your address. Your home address. Oh, my. So I receive audio files from people with, you know, 1234 Main Street as the name of the file. And because a lot of people say their location, their city or their town or whatever in their message, I can go, you know, 1234 Main Street in Springfield, Manitoba, and basically look up their address. Now, is there a Springfield, Manitoba? I don't know. I'm just making shit up, man. Pro okay. Probably, though. There's, I think there's probably a Springfield everywhere. But I, I decided that this is weird. And potentially a weird violation of people's privacy. Now, yeah. Now, sending it to me, not a big deal, everyone. I'm not going to do anything weird. I don't even really keep the files that long after we use them most of the time. I mean, yes, they're in the Gmail account, um, which is a whole different thing. But... It is, I just, it struck me as odd. 
and I didn't know this was happening. I loaded up the app on my iPhone and I did the same thing and recorded it. And sure enough, file with my address, right? Crazy. Um, so I just thought I'd throw it out there to let people know that this was happening. You don't have to worry about it. Sending things to us, not a big deal. Never going to be a problem, but who knows where people are sending these files, you know, to other podcasts, to anywhere, like to other people, right? I don't know. So if you didn't aware this, if you weren't aware this was happening, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm just doing my duty to let you know. <laughs> wow. And I get it. This is weird, but I receive lots of them all the time. And many of them have people's home address right there in the file name. So I don't know what Apple is doing. I don't know why this is a thing. Um, when I loaded up the voice memo app on my phone to try it, it did say something about using my location because it wanted, I assumed it wanted to tag the file with the location of the recording so I could keep track of where I was or something like that. Right. But using the address and the file name seems awfully strange to me. So just letting you know, um, keep sending us audio files, um, and don't worry about it, but you know, Keep in mind of maybe other places you might send audio files just in case you are. Yeah, that sounds like a sounds like a decision a developer would have made. I gotta save this file name something. I could either make it a random GUID or some other identifier. Uh, let's just use the address. Yeah, why not? What could be wrong with that? So nobody nobody's gonna know. And then it passed quality and got released and made it out into the real world. And yeah, anyway. It's crazy. It, it seems weird. I didn't look it up. I didn't Google it for if anyone's out there who anyone else has pointed this out. I can't imagine I'm the first person to come across this, but no. it's weird. So I just thought I'd mention it. I don't know if other brands of phone do this. I'd be surprised. But if you have an iPhone and you use the voice memo app, uh, please continue to do so and send us your audio files and comments because we love to get them. But keep in mind that they may be sending the files or they may it may be saving the files with your home address. So, yeah, that's it. OK. All right. Let's wrap things up here. Uh, Jason, that is going to do it. If you want to get in touch with us, check us out on Facebook at Facebook.com slash The Talking Dead. Uh, visit the website, TalkingDeadPodcast at gmail.com. Click on send voicemail. Those files won't have your home address. They just have a random file name with the date in it. So not a big deal. Um, and you can send email to talking dead podcast at gmail.com. All right. We'll be back later this week with our feedback show. So get your thoughts and comments in and we'll read them all and read many of them on that podcast. But until then, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye. Sorry, before you press stop, one last correction. Uh-huh. Uh, the Land of Rape and Honey was an album by Ministry and not the Dead Kennedys. Ah, okay. Yeah. And the actual term I was looking for was the Land of Milk and Honey. The Land of Milk and Honey. Okay. Well, there you go.